Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. Well, as I said, as we are coming to a to an end, uh, I want to add a layer to this series, uh, a layer that I've really never spoke about before. I want to talk a little bit about trauma. And I've never talked about that. I've never preached about that, although I have experienced that. So I want to talk a little bit about trauma. We're going to go to a few places in Scripture that uh, I'd be willing to bet nobody here has ever heard preached on a Sunday morning because they're very odd verses to preach on a Sunday morning. But uh, let's dive in and let's give us a working definition for the subject of trauma so we're all singing off the same sheet of music. Here we go. Trauma is an emotional response. Now, let me stop right there because that's what we're dealing with. When we talk about broken arrows, we can be saved. Our spirit is saved and on its way to heaven, but our emotions take some time to get caught up. How many know what I'm talking about? When we get saved, we're immediately saved, but the Bible tells us in Ephesians to continually be renewed in our mind. Our mind is our soul. It's our psyche. It's our moods. It's our appetites. All right? So with that, trauma then is an emotional response to a deeply disturbing or terrible event or events. Um, Really, to simplify, a trauma is the event that breaks the arrow. And uh, I'm going to be, I want to be very cautious. I won't dive too deep into some of these things. But maybe it's a one-time event. Maybe it's a reoccurring same event. We'll give some definitions to that. But it's the event that takes what God made to fly and soar high and fly straight and hit a destiny. It's the event that perhaps uh, breaks the arrow. It's the event that damages or creates strongholds in our thinking. And, and, And it could be something as severe as rape. It could be abuse. It could be abandonment. It could be even things that we might not consider, like natural disasters. If you've ever experienced the total loss, uh, I lived through one of America's greatest hurricanes when I was just a baby. Uh, I've been through tornadoes. Uh, So trauma could happen through one of those what we call natural disasters. Trauma can happen because of war, if you've served uh, in the military. Trauma can happen through violence. And one of the mistakes about trauma is that trauma, many people think it's the event that is the trauma. But it's not the event. The event is tragedy, but the trauma is actually the response to the event that happened. So the event can be gone five years, ten years, fifteen years. But if we haven't dealt with it, there's still something in our emotions, in our psyche, in our thinking that could be broken, that keeps causing us to go off track. And we can't figure out why. It's because the trauma is still still deep in our emotions, even though the event is gone. Okay, now, obviously, with that introduction, this is very difficult to deal with on a Sunday morning. Uh, I'm not going to go as deep as maybe we could. Um, But however, I think the church needs to deal with real life issues. Is everybody all right with that? Uh, I I think that that's the reason you come here. If this isn't stuff that's helping me on everyday life, I don't need just another Bible lesson. I need to know what God says about the real life issues that I'm dealing with. Is that right, everybody? 
I'm, I'm asking that to be encouraged because I'm a little nervous today, all right? Uh, so, so we don't like to deal with the subject of trauma too much. Not only is it hard to talk about in a public setting because I've got every walk of life possible here, um, but even on a personal level, oftentimes we don't like to talk about trauma because uh, one thing, uh, one of the hindrances to talking about trauma is shame. And, it, and it, it, it tries to raise shame back up, and we feel bad. We're going to dive into that again today. Uh, so shame is one of the barriers to talking about trauma. But not only shame, uh, a lot of times we just want to forget about it. We, ju we just don't want to go back there and talk about that. I had somebody tell me last week, said, man, I thought I was really over that, but there was one thing you said, and I just bust into tears. I had a man say to me, man, as soon as you said that one thing, all of a sudden I felt my adrenaline surge. Ladies and gentlemen, those are clues that we may not be as healed as we think that we are. We may have just become good at ignoring that and putting it in a box. But wouldn't you really like to be free? Come on, everyone, right? And, and one of the other reasons, quite honestly, and I hate to say this as a pastor of a church, but one of the other reasons that we don't like to talk about trauma is because in the Christian circles when we talk about trauma, we get a lot of cliche kind of answers or overzealous Christians trying to tell us that if we had enough faith, we wouldn't have the issue. <laughs> so let me get my one statement out, and then I'll be nice the rest of the time. Christians... I know none of you have ever done this, but this is for all of your friends that are watching online this morning. Christians, please begin to have more empathy. Please begin to have more sympathy and stop giving stupid, cliche, Christianese answers to real life hurts and struggles. Amen, everybody? Come on now. All right. Now, now some think that trauma, and they've only classified it as as something that happened, like a car accident, or some think that trauma is a physical injury. However, often it's the physical thing that happens that causes trauma in the emotional part of us. Remember, we're made like a trinity. We're made in the image of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He made us in His image. So we have our physical bodies, we have our spiritual bodies, and we have our soul part of us, okay? Our soul is our mind, it's our thinking, it's our moods, it's our psyches, it's our appetites, our spirit. The Bible sometimes calls that our heart. That's the spirit man. And then there's the physical part of us. Um, and so oftentimes, how many know we're all interestingly woven together? We're all, you can't separate those. And so, so sometimes what happens to us physically, it, the emotional man begins to pay the price of that. So, so therefore then what happens is it's not so much what happens to us, it's more about what happens in us. We can have an event, a tragedy happen to us. Most of the time that happens through the physical realm because our physical realm is a fallen realm. So many times the door of access for trauma is through the physical body, through some of the things I've already talked about. Um, so then it isn't so much what happens to us. Uh, we see soldiers coming back from war with, with, with amputated arms, and, and it's not so much that they're physical body needs the, the rehab, it's their emotions, their thinking, that those things are what need the rehab. So again, it's not, let's get the emphasis on what happened to us, as tragic as it might be, but let's start putting the focus and the attention on what can happen in us and through us through that. 
Uh, the wounds that we can't see, are they often hurt more than the wounds that we can see. Am I right about this? Uh, um, most of the time, they also take longer to heal. Physical, it, it's interesting to me because physical scars are something, especially men. I'm not sure about women. But when you get a bunch of men together and you start talking about, yeah, one time I was running a chainsaw and, you know, and they'll show you something. And, oh, yeah, look at, in fact, one of my favorite scenes is from Jaws. How many remember Jaws, right? And, and they're sitting below deck. You guys remember this scene? And they start, oh, yeah, I'll show you. And they start rolling up pant legs and shirt sleeves. And then uh, finally Richard Dreyfuss' character breaks his shirt open and says, so-and-so broke my heart. You know, they're talking about their physical scars. Oftentimes we will brag about the physical scars in our life, but emotional scars we like to hide. We don't want anybody to know about them. We'll brag about what happened. Oh, I fell out of the tree and landed on my head. And look at this, right? But boy, if we talk about the traumas that affect us emotionally, we don't want to talk about those. And furthermore, some of you grew up in the same generation I did. If you grew up in the same time uh, and place that I did, uh, we came through a generation that we were basically told, we, we told people just to get over it. We didn't encourage people to talk about it. We didn't talk about it in church. We, I never even heard of a counselor. What's a counselor? We never heard about going to see a counselor or a coach or somebody, to a life coach. In my generation, we never heard of that. We said rub some dirt on it and get over it, and we don't talk about it, right? Or in the Christian circles, we'd simply say, well, you just need to pray more. And, and I prayed a lot. And that, well, you need to fast. And I fasted until I looked like a Q-tip, but I still had issues. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? Because there are deeper issues than cliche answers. So um, um, you, you don't just get over it. Matter of fact, um, you, don't just, you don't just get over it. you got to heal from it. It's interesting because we never tell people that about their physical injuries. We never see somebody with a broken arm and say, just get over it. We don't ever do that. We don't hear somebody that got diagnosed with cancer and say, well, just get over it. But somehow, when that same wound happens to our souls... We try to act like, well, you just need to get over it. No, time doesn't heal. Time does not heal. Come on, everybody. God heals. Let me identify three different kinds of traumas, and then we're going to go to some scripture. Number one is, uh, uh, and this isn't with me, but number one is acute trauma. Acute trauma is a response from a one-time tragic event in life. Maybe life was great, but this one time... And it's interesting, you get people starting to talk, and they'll say, man, I remember, and they'll tell the story as clear as day. I, I, they can't remember what they ate for lunch yesterday, but they'll go back 30 years and say, I remember the day I was sitting on the front porch, the grass was green, the dew was on the grass, and my mom had just brought me a lemonade, and I was sitting there, I had pigtails in, and they will tell the story just like it's a one-time event that becomes tattooed in our emotions. Um, I'll give you an example, and we mostly like it when I share from my life, so I'm the guinea pig. I was about 13 years old, and we had a house fire. And it was just a, like a week before Christmas, and I heard my mom scream, and I woke up to see just black in my room. 
and, and I ran out uh, of the house, and I couldn't even see where the door was. I managed to get out, and as soon as I stepped outside, electrical lines fell in front of me. I only stopped because I seen my dog that I was trying to make sure was okay. I stopped. Windows were busting out of the house, and, and as soon as my mom came out and backed me, the whole house caved in. I mean, seconds from really dying. I was 13 years old. Uh, I, I, every once in a while, I worry about fire because it's still a response to a traumatic event that happened. Now, I, I don't over-worry about it until not long ago. Some of you remember we had a fire next door in the building. I was right here in the building with the fire marshal, and, and we had smoke damage in here, and it was that smell that triggered back to those memories. And, and I'll be transparent enough to say that, that I have woke up a few nights since that fire feeling as though I've smelled smoke in the house and jumped up with an adrenaline rush. That's a response to a one-time event. And you think you're healed, but you'll be surprised. Come on now. Right? And, and what's even more weird about that story is I still have not regained my uh, smell since uh, COVID. And it's been a year and a half, and I still can't smell. Sometimes that's really good, like Tuesday nights when I'm with the young men. All right, everyone? <laughs> Sorry, young men. You're just skidding in here from work. All right? Sometimes that's good. So it's really weird all of a sudden to smell something, but it smells like smoke right? So that's, that's acute trauma. Number two is what they call chronic trauma. Uh, this is a long-term response uh, from, uh, yeah, uh, from prolonged or repeated events. So it, it, it happened through our whole life. Uh, I'll give some easier examples, like maybe you grew up and you were bullied all the way through elementary school, or bullied and teased all the way through school, or some unfortunately face racism their whole life. Some got exposed to pornography as a five-year-old little boy, and now has seen that repeatedly through their life. Um, uh, uh, chronic trauma can happen uh, growing up in an abusive home, or an alcoholic home, or a drug abuser's home, okay, those kind of things. Uh, number three then, number three is what they call complex trauma. Complex trauma is response to multiple or ongoing events. So it can be multiple house fire, then this, and then this, or ongoing, okay? It's, so it's a combination of multiple kinds that go on and on. Um, and, and, and no matter what you have been through, here's the facts. Trauma changes us. Um, it, it fractures the arrow, everyone. Uh, it can change us on a few fronts. I don't want to make the message about this, but let me just kind of go down that trail just a little bit. It, it, it can change our perspective on things. It can change our outlook on things. Uh, um, it, it, it can change the way we see people depending on what the trauma is. If the trauma was dealt to us through a man or a pastor or a coach or a woman or a whatever, then, then there is a tendency then that our, that, that our perspective about that kind of or titled individual, come on, you, you hear what I'm saying? Let me give you an example. Uh, this happened years ago in our ministry. I, 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 I heard this lady say, and uh, she said it out of anger, but she also said it kind of as a, uh, uh, a little bit of sarcasm. She said this. She said, well, I just hate all men. 
and, and identified all men under the same category. Now, understand why she said it, because she had had some trauma because of a man. But then she turned around and seen, single mom, turned around and seen her little five-year-old boy coming toward her. And after she just said, I hate all men, then turned around and said, come on, mama's little man. Now, I wonder about that boy, because he's wondering, if mama hates all men, why should I grow up to be a man? Mm-hmm. And so it changes our perspective. Uh, it, it, can it not only can change our perspective on how we view people, on uh, perspective on how we view life. Watch this. It can even change our perspective about how we view God. And this is where it gets dangerous. And that's what the enemy's trying to do. He wants you to think of God in a way that God is not. That's what's happening in our world today. It's called God concepts. We get our God concepts mostly through our fathers, if not our fathers, then our mother, if not our mother, through the home environment, whoever's raising us, that's oftentimes where we get our God concepts. If trauma happened in that sacred circle called the home, then what happens is that we view God that way. I grew up without my dad, and for a long time, I still have a little tendency here, um, but, but, but uh, you might view God like I did as an absentee God. He's out there somewhere. He cares about me, but he's running the world. And, you, you know, if I really got in problems, he'd probably help me out. But he's not walking with me and talking with me along life's merry way. Come on. Okay? So it's a God concept, an absent God, a, a mean God, an abusive God, an I don't care God, a judgmental God, a critical God. Okay? I've come to learn that the trauma in my life was very complex. Um, it was multiple living situations. Uh, in one way, no consistency. In other ways, very bad consistency. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, I moved a lot. I was actually born in Bellingham. Moved from Bellingham by the time I was three-ish uh, and moved to the Bay Area of California. Lived in some areas of Oakland. Moved from Oakland. That's a whole different world than up here. Moved from Oakland with my little seashell necklaces on and my little surfboard t-shirts. Moved from there to Chicago. Day one, I got beat up because California boys don't fit into Chicago's. And, and, and so moved from Chicago to Nashville. Now I'm really jacked up because everybody got cowboy boots and cowboy hats on. Moved from there to Mississippi, spent every summer in Louisiana. Culturally, everything was changing. Also, I had, uh, I had one stepdad that was very strict, very harsh, very mean, had to quit all sports to work around the house and do chores. I had another stepdad that was very disconnected, lenient, didn't have a clue. My, my, my sister got hit by a car, was stuck under the car. I was trying to get her out screaming, ran to the house, which was about a block away, to wake up that stepdad, and he told me to take care of myself as he continued to lay on the couch. So you got one that's this way and one that's this way and a little kid that's confused which way is the right way. Right? Are you guys following what I'm saying? Uh, and other things, those are the inconsistent things. The consistent things were the things like you'll never amount to nothing. The wrong things were the consistent things. So that's complex trauma, everybody. Um, and don't feel sorry for me. It is that stuff that caused me to lean into Jesus, all right? Um, and, and here's one of the things we should never do. I think this is a good place to say this. We should never compare trauma. Whoo, 
man, thank God I don't have it like Ken does. Yeah, but thank God I don't have it like somebody else does. See, here's why we should never compare trauma. Because intensity is intensity is intensity. It doesn't matter what it is. So you can't look across the fence and say, I've been through worse than that. Get over it. No, intensity is intensity. Fire burns. Whether it's a big fire or a little fire, it burns. Come on, everybody. Okay, um, and, and whatever level uh, that, that trauma happens, it still hurts, and we all need God for healing. Okay, that's my second introduction. Now let's get into the Bible story. Uh, there's a story in Scripture. Uh, it's a terrible story. It's a horrible story. It's in the Old Testament. If you've read through the Bible, you've come across it. Um, and you've got to remember, I, I love when bi- people say, well, the Bible is an instruction book. No, it really isn't. Some of the Bible is just historical record of events that happened in ancient Hebrew times, okay? And so, um, um, so for those of you that are dealing with trauma and wondering why in the world is this story, it's just a report. And we can gather principles from bad stories how there are shadows of God moving in our life, okay? Now, this story, I'm only going to read some selected verses. If you want to dive into it, you can. Because uh, it's kind of hard to dive into on a Sunday morning in the mixture of men, women, and young people in the room. But I still think we can skim the surface and get what we need to get out of the story. Let me set it up. Um, Amnon uh, was a son of David. Remember David last week? This, uh, 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 he's a shadow of Jesus, right? Now, he also has a whole bunch of wrong things in his life. But he has a son named Amnon, the son of David. And he also has a daughter named Tamnar, uh, Tamar, and, um, and Amnon sexually abuses Tamar, and, um, and, and that's his sister. So it is wrong on so many levels. Now, let me read some scripture, and, and I'll, I'm going to be very cautious how we move forward. I want to use this event to talk about things that happen to us that are not our decisions. Because a lot of the brokenness that we're dealing with, we didn't make the decision to go there or do that, right? And so, and I want to show you how God can use it to heal. So here we go, 2 Samuel chapter number 13. Everybody doing all right? All right, here we go. Uh, I'm picking up in the middle of a story, so you got to understand. No, my brother, this is Tamar speaking. No, my brother, she said to him, don't force me. Such a thing should not be done in Israel. Don't do this wicked thing. And then she says, what about me? Where could I go, if you do this, where could I go to get rid of my disgrace? Disgrace is, is what the enemy leverages to bring condemnation on us. Uh, the, the, uh, the Living Bible, verse 13, says it this way, just to bring some clarity. It says, where could I go with my shame? That subject causes more Christians to stumble than any other subject I've ever seen. We're saved, but we are still living under condemnation or shame because of the broken events that have happened or the traumas that have happened. Let me go on. I'm going to pick up later in this story. Then Amnon hated her. So after the abuse was over, all of a sudden now he he hates her. He hated her with intense hatred. In fact, he hated her more than he had loved her. Amnon said to her, get up and get out. So not only did he abuse her one way, but then he locked her out. My generation, maybe yours too, the abuse 
that comes sometimes through abusers is first the abuse happens, and then the second abuse happens by they threatening, don't you tell nobody. So now it happens, and now you got nowhere to go, uh, and it abuses twice. That's what's happening to Tamar, all right? Uh, I know. Uh, um, no, she said to him, sending me away would be a greater wrong than what you've already done to me. But he refused to listen to her. Uh, I think, go, go on. Do I have any more or is that it for now? That's good. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So obviously, adults, you can read between the lines and know what is going on here. So I just want to say this. I'm not here to talk about rape. I am not qualified to. Um, but we can use that story to talk about trauma. The trauma that comes into our life because someone or something or some event did something to you without your permission. I was called names. I never gave them permission to call me names. Fire invaded my house. I never gave fire permission to it. Okay, that's a form of trauma. It's a form of something that came on me that I didn't go looking for. Now, some of my problems are because I went looking for them. How many can relate to that? We'll preach to you on another day, so just hang on. This ain't your day, but we'll get to you. But some of the hurts come because innocently we're Tamar that we didn't ask for that. We didn't ask for those parents. We didn't ask for that situation. We didn't ask for that house fire. We didn't ask for those things. And um, trauma often moves. And when it moves in, when the event happens, it wasn't your fault. When the event happens, watch this. Trauma moves into our life. It's the door. The event is the door where that trauma comes in. And when trauma moves in, here's what I've found. Trauma doesn't move in by itself. Trauma brings his three cousins with him. Mm, we're going to talk about his three cousins. Here comes cousin number one. Cousin number one is shame. When trauma shows up, he brings his cousin shame into our life. Now, we've dealt with shame enough in this series. I'm not going to go down this road too far. But trauma, if trauma happens, it can create unhealthy appetites, hungers, uh, thought processes about something. Tamar is abused by a family member in a sexual way, if not careful, that could change her view about something that God has created. Right, everybody? And can create damage in that area. Um, um, so for Tamar, for example, if that happened to her, she now could have a warped thinking that says, my only value to contribute to the world is through my sexuality. That's the lie that the enemy would like to use in the middle of your trauma. Does it, are you guys okay? All right. And that, then that's why we get stronghold. Stronghold is a wrong way of thinking or a brokenness in us. That's why we did this in part number one or two. James chapter number one, verse number seven, 14. It says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil. We know the original word is wicked desires. Wicked is where we get the word wicker. So our thinking, our desires, our appetites, they get twisted because of a trauma that happened. And that's the same place that the devil goes after every time in our lives. Is that, am I going too deep here today? Let me, let, let me, let me just, um, I like the question that she asked because it's a question I ask and I'm sure you have. Where do I go with my shame? What do I do? You can't go to religious circles because religious circles will just tell you to pray more. Mm -hmm. 
Religious circles, if you're not careful, some religious circles will tell you, well, if you'd have been saved, that would have never happened to you. Religious people will tell you some crazy stuff. But good things do happen to bad people because we live in a fallen world. Right, everybody? Trauma tears at the very three basic elements that we all have. Need love, acceptance, and worth. Trauma tears at that. And we try to then, consequently, we try to earn love. I mean, no, we could try to earn love in the wrong way. In bad ways and in good ways. I tried to earn love through the church, doing, being a pastor, trying to earn people's love towards me. So we try to earn it. We try to earn acceptance. We try to gain worth. And, and, and shame lies to you. And, and here's what shame will do. Tell me if I'm right. Just say amen if I'm right about this. Shame will lie to you and tell you that the event was your fault. Amen. That's what shame does. Shame's a liar. And say, well, if you hadn't addressed that way, Tamar... If you hadn't have been in that place, if you hadn't have gone to that, if you hadn't have, right? Let me give you an example from my life. Uh, I've shared this story here before, but I think it's worth repeating. When I was about four years old, my dad brought home a mini bike for me. We got on it the very first day, popped a wheelie under the carport, and oil, uh, an oil line broke, and oil went all over the windows, the patio, my mom, and my mom yelled at my dad, and we had to get rid of the mini bike. I don't know how long later it was, but my dad brought home a go-kart. Woo! Go dad, all right? And, and my dad owned a body shop, so he painted the go-kart all up really cool, had flames on it, had a matching helmet with flames on it. It was cool. I was the cool. I wanted to be evil Knievel, everybody, all right? God saved me and made me a preacher. I don't know which one's more dangerous. Sometimes I wonder. But anyway... So I got in my go-kart, and I just took off, and I'm blasting down the driveway, and I hit a tree at the end of the driveway. Smash! I had a helmet on. Woohoo! All right? But I broke a motor mount on the go-kart. Now, from this point on, I may have the facts all messed up, but I'm just going to tell you how I remember it. From that moment on, my mom and dad, that later afternoon, as a catalyst of me wrecking the go-kart and her saying, you're too young for it, and her, him saying, just let him be a boy, what I remember is that argument escalating. I remember hiding in my bedroom because the voices got loud, and, and holes were being punched into the drywall, and dishes were being thrown, and names were being called. Later, as the sun went down, I came out of my bedroom to see my dad packing his suitcases and putting them in his little Ford Ranchero. He carried me back to my bedroom and laid me down in bed and said, Son, I have to leave now. I don't know when I'll see you again. I'm five. I don't know what that means. Are you going to the gas station? Will I see you in the morning? Only to realize I would never see my dad again until I was a grown man with my own son. And subconsciously, shame lied to me and told me, If you hadn't wrecked that go-kart, Mom and dad wouldn't have fought. And if mom and dad wouldn't have fought, dad wouldn't have left. And so subconsciously for the rest of my life, I tried to drive between the lines and be a good person so that I'd never have an accident again because I didn't want a trauma to be my fault on my watch again. That's what shame does. Shame will say if you were better, if you were smarter, if you were more loving, if you were stronger, if you were faster, if you were more Christian, if you prayed more, if God really loved you, see, that's what shame does to us. Shame says it's your fault. And I've come to tell somebody, let yourself off the hook. It is not your fault. There is a devil 
and the devil is bad, and he's out to rob, kill, and destroy, and the trauma that happened to you is not fair, and it is not your fault, and even if it is, God is bigger than all of those events. Amen, everybody? Come on. Number two, the second cousin, I got to hurry, the second cousin that moves in is the cousin of rejection. Watch and see if you don't see it in the verse. Verse number 17. He called his personal servant and said, get this woman out of my sight and bolt the door after her. So his servant put her out, bolted the door after her. She was wearing, this is important, she was wearing an ornate robe. Remember like Joseph, coat of many colors? She was wearing an ornate robe. Let me tell you about this robe. For this was the kind of garment the virgin daughter of a king would wear. It was a coat of royalty, okay? All right, so watch this. Worse than what happened to her, was the rejection that comes. Worse than what happens to us, there is a devil that will always try to tell you, you're not good enough. Because of your past, because of what you've done, because of the events, the enemy will always try to lock us on the outside. Come on. How many would say, yep, I feel that way. I've felt that way. Anybody? Come on. Somebody needs to be truthful to help others people that are in here dealing with the whole subject of rejection. The enemy will always try to say, because of what happened to you, now you're damaged and now you're locked out. So how dare you think you could have a happy marriage? How dare you think that you could go back to school? How dare you think that you could be in your right mind? How dare you think you can be on the dream team? How dare you lift your hands and worship God? Because the enemy is always trying to take what happened to us and not just abuse us with what happened to us, but use it for a lifetime to keep us under his foot. But in case he hasn't heard, Luke 10 says that he is under our feet. Come on, everybody, right? Trauma will work really hard to make you an outsider and lock you out. And some of you are feeling locked out, forgetting that God gave you the keys. Come on. God gave you the keys, everybody. And don't listen to the lie anymore. This story is horrific in the scripture. But watch this. It reminds us of how bad the enemy wants us to be shut out from God's plans and God's purposes and God's favor and God's grace and God's love and God's blessings. He wants you to buy into the lie because he's terrified of a healthy you. But devil, you messed up and let me come to church today. Because no more. Everybody say, no more. more. The third cousin that moves in is hopelessness. Hopelessness tries to move in. 2 Samuel 13. Let me read it a little further. So he put her out. She was wearing a long robe with sleeves, as was the custom in those days for a virgin daughter of the king. Now, watch this. Watch her hopelessness. Man, this event happened to me. So she rips her outward a, a, a symbol of being a part of the kingly authority. Now she tore the robe and put ashes on her head and, and uh, put ashes on her head and with her head in her hands went away crying. Here's the last cousin that comes in through trauma and that's the cousin of hopelessness. Uh, it's interesting. I think it's an interesting contrast, isn't it? If you read this and really put your imagination on, it's an interesting contrast that she's wearing this beautiful robe and so on the outside, she looks amazing, but beneath the outer garment is trauma. You don't take your robe off in front of anybody, but you can take that outer robe off in front of some friends. And underneath the smile 
and underneath the praise Jesus, and underneath all your Christian bumper stickers and Christian cliches, somebody needs to know that there's trauma there. Mm -hmm. And we'll see in the next part. Let me give you the last little parts of this. Part number three, uh, or excuse me, three things that we can do, okay? Uh, I hear kids screaming back there. <laughs> Talking about trauma. All right. I think they sound like good screams. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Three things we can do. In all seriousness, I want you to hear these parts because nothing else up to this point really matters. I haven't really told you anything you haven't already experienced or already gone through. But this is where the sermon is worth coming today. Three things that we can do. And I'm going to tell you this before I give them to you. They're going to sound so simple. But if you're dealing with trauma, they're harder to execute. Number one, process the pain of the trauma. you got to process it. you got to sit down and be real with your feelings, real with the emotions, real with it. See, in order to process the pain, watch this, everybody, you have to acknowledge that there is some pain. <laughs> Larissa, thanks for not being afraid to share tears. You're an amazing overcomer. I wish I could get some more men that would let some tears roll. I really do. I'm good, bro. <laughs> Shut up. Because we all go through things. And we try to hide it. You have to acknowledge that there is pain before you could ever process the pain that there is. Right, everybody? See, you don't heal when you ignore it. I threw my hip out in case you guys are wondering if I'm limping. I'm trying not to limp, but because uh, I don't want un unneeded attention. And so Patty called and said, I got you a chiropractor appointment. I said, I don't need to go. It'll pop back in. <laughs> she said, you're, you're going. I said, look, I'm too busy to go. I got things to do, and, and I can do more with a limp than some people can do with two good legs. Just let me at it. She said, I'm going with you. It's our date. Come on. <laughs> I'm sitting in the waiting room going, this is the dumbest thing. I don't need to be here. They're wasting my time. Right? Do we do the same thing when it comes to the emotion? Mm -hmm. You have to acknowledge it before you can process it. Listen to me very carefully. When we talk about life groups and gathering together, some of us need to make a new commitment to church attendance. Church attendance is not just something that we do if we have time. It needs to be a priority. It, 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 because there's something about being in the room. There's something about being in the locker room, everybody. There's something about, the, the, there's something about being in the life group. I hate, there's days because I know the sheep, there's days I'm like, man, I wish so-and-so would have been here for that one because that's the very thing that they tell me they wrestle with all the time. And this is not just some preaching time. This is God administering healing in people's lives. The Word of God is going forth, and the Word of God is quick and powerful, more powerful than a double-edged sword that's able to heal us. Come on. Just as dumb as me not wanting to go to the chiropractor, come on, we need to show up to the office to get God to click us back in place, everybody. Can I get an amen on that one? I'm not asking you for every Sunday, uh, but you have to decide what level do you really need to press in for the therapy of your soul. 
All right, I better leave that alone. I got people mad at me. I could tell. Mean mugging me up here. How did she do that? She told her other brother. She got someone involved in her pain with her. She told her other brother. Woo! And it's going to be curtains for Amnon. I'm telling you. All right, let me go to the next one. Here's the second thing you got to do. The second thing you got to do. Um, hold on. Take that off there because they're going to read it and try to write it down. I want to say one more thing. If you ignore it, if you ignore the trauma, this will either happen on purpose or accidentally. You'll go somewhere else to soothe the pain of the trauma. Another lover, another drug. Okay, now I'm ready for number two. All right. I just want to get you good and mad before we go to the next one. All right. <laughs> number two is that you have to pray to God about it. And I know this seems like so 101, but you got to pray about it. And when I talk about pray about it, I want to give you some permission. Sometimes I make fun of this in my life. You got to pray about it. And praying is not just, oh, mighty God. And Holy Father. Who said that? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. I need a little love up here, all right? Um, you can complain to God. He's got big shoulders. You can tell him how unfair something was. You can complain. You can vent. You can even get mad. Why did this happen to me, God? Where were you, God? It's okay. We'll call all that prayer. Because God might be waiting for you just to get real. All of that can be called prayer. If you haven't prayed a mad prayer, you haven't prayed yet. Mm -hmm. Why did that thing? How come that? Now you're praying. Now, now, now you're praying. Um. This week, I'll tell you something happened to me. This week, this week, I think it was Thursday morning. Every morning I get up and do my quiet time and devotions with God. And this week, I, I do a five-year prayer journal, and I wrote down, here's the words on Thursday. I should have made a copy of it. I said, God, I feel so alone. Now, hold on. Don't feel sorry for me. This is my battle. My battle is feeling isolated. That's what I battle with. I'm around people all the time. Monday night, I had my young men's life group show up. We loaded trash cans and dumpsters. And Tuesday night, I taught my young men. Wednesday night, I was here with another group of people teaching next steps. Thursday night, I had something. Friday night, we had kingdom bill. I had something going on every night with lots of people. But in the midst of all the people, when my body's in pain and when I'm tired, my natural tendency is to start feeling alone. Now, I don't know what yours is, but I had to pray about it. God, I'm feeling alone. And it felt stupid because I'm not alone. I have a wife that loves me. I got kids that love me. My grandbaby come up, jump on my lap. I've been around people all week. Lord, I know it looks dumb. I know it sounds stupid, but God, I'm praying about it because I'm starting to feel that feeling of withdrawing, and I don't want to feel that way. You got to pray about it. You got to be honest with God. That's what prayer is. Give it to God. Complain, hurt, share, grit teeth. All right. Now, don't anybody invite me out to dinner because of what I just said. All right. I'm just saying. I'm okay, everyone. All right. <laughs> Psalm says this. Psalms 34, 18 says this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I got to close. So let me give you the last one. Number three. Now, this might be too soon for some of you. So don't get mad at me. But you got to pursue purpose with your trauma. That's how you take what the devil meant for bad and turn it into good. Yes, I know it sounds cheesy, but God will take your misery and make it into your ministry. 
And I'm standing on this platform because of that very thing. Now, if your trauma happened yesterday or last week or last month, you're mad about this point. Don't do this point right now. It's too soon. But there will come a place of healing that you might, that you might want to take that. Paul says that. Just give me the scripture reference. I've got to close. But you can jot 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 down. That's what Paul did. He used all the hardships, and he used those hardships to stand on as a box to preach off of, okay? Now, let me, let me uh, just wrap her up real quick. One of the things we often forget about the tragedy of Tamar is that she was a daughter of the king. <laughs> and if you're a daughter of the king, even though you go through tragedies and traumas, everything will be all right. Everything will be all right. And so David, <laughs> he's going to take care of the issue, all right? Now, let me close with this. I found it interesting that her name is Tamar. And I love things about names. And so I looked up, what does her name mean? And, and her name, Tamar, means palm tree. And I thought, well, that, I was hoping for something like, God, the mighty warrior, raw. No, her, her name means palm tree. But, but, but did you notice um, she faces all seasons with her leaves green? She never dies. No matter what the season is. No matter what season you're in, you don't have to die. You don't have to hide in a corner. You're a child of the king. One more thing. Um, I know some of you have homes. Some people in our church have homes in Florida. And, and I have friends in Florida. And we had those hurricanes come through, right? And if you've seen any news, did you see the palm trees? Those bad boys in a hurricane bend completely over. And when the hurricane's done, boing! That's what Tamar is. And I want you to leave here knowing this today. You're like Tamar. You might have bent, but you're not broken. And just like her, you're a survivor. And your leaves are always green. And if the devil could have killed you when he could have, he would have, but he couldn't kill you. And even though you've bent, you have not broken. <laughs> the trauma wasn't fair, but you're a survivor. Aren't you glad for it today? Amen. Watch this. Watch this. Throw all those points up there real quick because I just got to close. Just give them all to me. Where, where shame moved in, replace shame with grace. When rejection moves in, replace it with adoption. You're adopted children of God. And where hopelessness comes in, replace it that you are a child of destiny. And God is healing the broken arrow. And you will hit the target that he arranged for you to hit. Amen, everybody. Would you receive that today? All right. If you want to dive deeper in, one of the neat things about technology today is you can do some pretty in-depth counseling online now. And uh, this is a resource that we have used uh, both uh, personally and, uh, uh, and given this to others. If you want to take a picture of that, uh, that can be as spiritual as you want. You can pick out counselors that will work with you on any subject. We want to put the tools in your hands. Would you stand with me all over this place? Everybody take a deep breath. Are you okay? Yeah. That was a lot on a Sunday, wasn't it? And uh, uh, just hang in here. I'll, I'll, when we're done with this series, I'll open up with a joke, all right? <laughs> Sometimes the surgery hurts, but it'll help us walk straighter after. How many of you are experiencing trauma in your life? Let me see your hands. Just raise them up. Father, right now, would you help me pray if you don't have your hand up? 
every hand in this building. Father, move on their lives. I pray, God, where there's hurt, there's pain, there's loneliness. We've listened to too many lies. We've repeated the event in our mind too many times. Only you can heal, God. All I can do is talk about the events, but only you can heal. Only you can put the robes back together. Only you can bring us back into the kingdom. And God, we thank you today for your amazing grace. And we thank you that we are the adopted sons and daughters. And we thank you that you have a plan and purpose for us. And there's nothing the enemy could ever do to destroy that. So I pray we walk out of here with that confidence in Jesus' name. Finally, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you say, today's the day. If I'm ever going to be healed, I need to walk into the fullness of Christ and become a Christ follower. If that's you and you want to be included in this last prayer, and you'd say, that's you. Would you just slip your hand up all over? Say, Ken, I don't even know what it means to be a Christian, but I want to take that first step because I'm realizing God is drawing me to himself. Raise your hand up at me. Let me see you. Yes, sir, I see you. Yes, sir, I see you. Yep. Anybody else? Yes, sir, I see you. Anybody else? Let's pray this prayer all over this room. Father God, thank you for Jesus. I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. Come into my life and be my Lord. And from this day forward, I'm going to serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a good hand clap, would you? Amen, everybody. I love you. Hang in there with me one more week. It's going to end on a really positive note, all right? Love you guys. God bless you.